0: Don't everybody laugh at once. I understand it's not uh, quite what you expected. You have to forgive the uh, subtitles. I was trying to work on my computer. We have the the uh, video, and we could not get it to work last night, so I had to download a portion of it. It obviously has Chinese subtitles, so um, just don't worry about those uh, and look past them. But uh, I want to ask you this question: Do you cruise through marriage? Do you cruise through the relationships? Do you kind of just go with the flow? Do you set things on cruise control? Because cruise control can be one of the, and really is one of the greatest inventions for driving long stretches of a road at a sustained speed, is it not? It's, It's awesome to get on the interstate and hit your cruise control and just go. You don't get the cramp in the leg, the cramp in the bottom of the foot, the pains and things like that, but it allows you to take your foot off the gas pedal and relax while driving. But cruise control... While it can be a great thing, it can also be a problem. Um, about a month ago, when I was heading north on I-35, going up to uh, pick up some wood, uh, just north of Kearney on I-35, there was a massive accident. Matter of fact, uh, it was, if, if you know anything about it, it was, it was one of the mornings, woke up, there was spots of black ice, according to the news, I was heading up to Bethany to get some firewood so we would have a warm house, and, and uh, anyways, I started seeing the smoke, black smoke, rising up uh, off in the distance, and you could tell it was fairly recent. By the time I got up there, about probably three or five minutes after I noticed the smoke, uh, when I got up there, you had noticed a pickup truck had gone across I-35, we were heading northbound across 35. Had been hit by a semi. Had come back into the median and was completely engulfed in flames. I mean, completely engulfed. And I noticed the driver sitting on or laying on the middle of the interstate on southbound I-35, laying there with people all around, all around him. And come to find out, I did some investigating when I got home. The guy was in serious condition not even critical, made it to Liberty Hospital, was in serious condition, had suffered some, some issues, obviously, because he'd been thrown from the vehicle when he had crossed. Uh, but my first thought was this, and I don't know how you drive, um, I was raised a certain way with driving, but the first rule was this, if it's snowy, icy, or rainy, cruise control gets turned off. And so I don't know the situation, I don't know the circumstance of that driver or anything, but I want you to think about this. When you're driving through marriage or driving through life on cruise control and you hit a rough patch or an icy spot or rainy roads or a slick road, what ends up happening usually is we lose control of the circumstance or situation, we end up in a wreck and everything becomes bigger than it really was in the first place. It becomes more violent, more painful, more damage is caused as a result of cruising through life on cruise control rather than maintaining control of my speed with my own self. See, cruise control may be all right for your car, but it's not all right for your marriage. It's not all right for your relationships. As a matter of fact, there's a danger of just cruising through marriage. Marriage can't contain contain a constant speed, or sorry, can't maintain... A constant speed. Everybody knows this in, in, in life in general, that you are going to hit rough patches in the road. You're going to have problems. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to have conflict. Those icy spots or those rough patches are going to lead you in one direction or another. And so your marriage may be good, but I want to ask you this question. Is it getting Better Are you just going through the motions in marriage? Are you on cruise control, or are you doing things to make sure that you maintain control of your marriage, that you can grow closer and closer together? I I, I see one of the biggest statistics I see recently is the fact, and, and I think I mentioned this last week, is the fact that people are staying married through their kid's graduation and then after graduation getting divorced. Matter of fact, it's one of the fastest growing divorce rates right now for some reason. It's like your life was built around your kids. Now listen, love your kids, love my kids, but your kids should not be what keeps your marriage together. Matter of fact, if your kids are what keeps your marriage together, you're already on cruise control. If that's the only thing that brings you together, you have missed it. As a matter of fact, I say this, but you may still be going together, but are you growing together in your relationship? You need to guard your marriage and, and not get by with a that's good enough mentality. As a matter of fact, that's one of those mentalities that it drives me nuts when I hear somebody say, well, that's good enough. Whether it's, well, that's good enough for government contract labor or that's good enough for the job, or that's good enough for the boss, or that's good enough in my marriage, that mentality will always lead you down a road of destruction and chaos. And so the question I want to ask you is this, are you on cruise control? Because if you're on cruise control, all you got to do is flip the what? Switch. I just got to turn it off. I got to make the decision to get off the cruise control and get back into controlling the vehicle on my own. Growing up in Wyoming, I guess maybe it's a little bit different because around here, and look, I know we don't have the ice like we get around here. Like in Wyoming, you don't get the ice like you do here. Now, you get ice, it usually tends as a result of the snow melting and then the snow refreezing. We don't have the rain and then the snow over the top. But listen to me, when you go or get used to driving in snow, you understand what cruise control can do. Because the minute I start going up an icy or a hilly slope... And I'm on cruise control. What's your car want to do when it goes up a hilly slope? It's going to floor it to kind of get that speed up. What, what happens when you floor it to get up that hill? Guess what happens? Your wheels start to spin. You start to slide. You lose control. You're in trouble. You can't cruise through marriage. And if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter uh, 3, and we're going to be starting in verse 1. When you cruise through marriage, you end up setting yourself up for failure. And that's exactly what Satan wants you to do. Satan wants you to cruise through marriage. He wants to take the vitality and the success out of your marriage. And he wants to rob you of any joy, any excitement, any passion, any love, anything else. As a matter of fact, I, I, one of the things I'm going I'm to get, I'm going to be kind of hard on the guys right here. All right. A lot of times guys will, well, that's good enough. My wife knows I love her. I show it to her every time I bring home the paycheck, and we kind of hit on that a little bit last week. But I want you to think about this. How would you feel if your wife said that about dinner? (laughs) Well, that's good enough. I'll heat up a little minute, microwave, you know, pot pie. That's good enough. One of the quickest ways to a man's heart is usually through his belly. I say that jokingly, but it's one of those things that we begin to understand. If it's good enough, then you're always set up or already set up for failure. So here's the big thing. If you remember anything, I want you to remember this. Cruise control will wreck a marriage, but working together as a team gives the marriage life and vitality. Now we're going to jump into 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 1. And before you get upset with me, just remember this is God's word, not Brian's word. This is not what I wrote. This is what God wrote. This is what he spoke through Peter and Peter wrote it down and this is what we're gonna cover. So listen to what he says. Wives in the same way be what? Submissive to your husbands, listen, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behaviors of their wives or by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity of, and reverence of your lives. You hear what he's saying right there? Wives, first and foremost, in the same way, be submissive to your husband. What way is he talking about? If you go back earlier, there's a portion where he talks about submitting to the government and the authorities that are over you. It talks about how Jesus submitted himself to the obedience of death and, 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 and death on the cross to the will of God. So that's the submission it's talking about. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your... Husbands, and we're gonna jump in and we're gonna cover all that. So we're gonna read through this and then we'll we'll cover the rest of it. But your beauty, listen to verse three. Your beauty should not come from what? You can cheat, it's in the Bible. Outward what? Adornment. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Now I'm gonna cover that. So don't go home and think, well, that means I can wear whatever I want and never do anything to impress my husband. Hold on. All right, so relax, okay? Verse four, instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you want to do what is right and do not give way to fear. Now, Husbands, you're not off the hook. This may be shorter, but I believe you have a greater responsibility in the way you act. Because listen to what he says. Husbands, in the same way, in the same way, what do you mean? In the same way, be considerate. He's saying in the same way, you need to submit yourselves to your wife so that you would be considerate as you live with your wives. And treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So here's the deal. A lot of times we will walk through life on cruise control. We will go through marriage on cruise control and cruise control will lead you down a way that you don't wanna go down. And here's what I wanted to do. What is my responsibility in marriage? What do I do to control, listen, the speed The depth and the ability in our relationship, what do I have to contribute in order to be successful so that we're not going through just the motions? Anytime you go through the motions, you miss out on the greatest thing. Matter of fact, some of you may miss out on the greatest things day in and day out when you're on your drive. Because the reality is your drive to work may be one of those things that's monotonous and tedious, but it's how you look at things. It's how you approach that time and situation in the car that will either benefit you or send you through the roof in anger. You know what I'm talking about, right? You got an opportunity to spend some time maybe listening to the word, maybe listening to some songs, maybe memorizing some scripture. Maybe you're the person who just needs peace and quiet to catch your thoughts and to think about what God wants to show you that day. Maybe it's the fact that you can look around and recognize the beauty around you. You ever thought about that? Maybe it's on your drive that as you see people that you're passing or they're passing you, instead of thinking, what an idiot, you could be saying, hey, man, I'm going to be praying for that person because I don't know what their situation in life is. When I go through the motions, I miss out on the very... Beauty and intricacies that God wants me to see day in and day out. So here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to approach it just a little bit differently, but we're going to come at it from the scriptural standpoint. What is my responsibility in the marriage? And so I'm going to hit wives first, and then we're going to wrap up with husbands. Now, I'm not hitting wives, literally, sorry. I heard my wife say that. She went, whoa. you know." So hold on just a second, all right? I'm going to touch on the role of the wife, and then I'm going to touch on the role of the husband. And before you come after me and say, well, hold on a second, let's talk about some things. And I want to clarify, and part of what we read in Ephesians chapter 5, if you know anything about marriage and relationships, if you've ever heard me speak on marriage and relationships, I love to go to Ephesians chapter 5, specifically verses 21 and following. Because everybody always jumps to the first conclusion, this, wives be submissive. But if you read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, does anybody know what it says in there? It says that you should submit to one another out of reverence for Christ first and foremost. Do you hear that? Submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus Christ. So when I submit, wives, when you are submitting to your husbands, when you are obeying your husbands and putting yourself under their authority and leadership, you are submitting out of reverence for who? Christ. For God, first and foremost. And husbands, you're going to be able to, and you should be able to, or you should be treating your wife exactly like the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 in verses 25 and following. For husbands to love your wives as Christ loved the church. Christ never submitted or told the church to submit to a point where he was an authoritarian dictator who smashed and grabbed and beat and abused the church, did he? Christ always loved the church sacrificially. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So that is the first and foremost thing we always have to get to before we jump into this. So here, what is my responsibility in marriage? I'm gonna cover the wives first. We're gonna hit on the, the, well, whatever. I keep saying that. We're gonna to touch on what the wives' role or responsibility is first, and then we'll jump to the husband. So number one, wives, listen to what it says in verse one. Wives, in the same way, be what? submissive. All right. So here's what I'm going to say. Wives, number one, follow your husband. Follow your husband. Being submissive in general means or as a function of order within the house. All right. In other words, you are acknowledging the godly headship or leadership that God has already placed in response or or for you. It's not just for your submission, but it's for your protection, for your love. Why? Because there is a very specific thing that in today's culture, hear me out, listen, I'm all for strong women who are going to be loving and caring and merciful, but in today's culture, we have this idea that feminism is the rise of and the responsibility of women to say, I don't need men. And let me tell you something about that. That is a completely unbiblical and ungodly teaching. I am all for strong women. I am all for women who will follow God wholeheartedly. But listen to me, wives, all right? There is a very distinct characteristic that God has set up that says, you are, matter of fact, if you go on and read it, you are the weaker partner. Now, that is not a cut on you. That is not a dig. That is not to tear you down. That does not mean that you are not of equal value as I about fall off the stage. You are of the utmost value. You are equal to your husband. Let me clarify that. You are equal to your husband. Matter of fact, it says you are heir together with Christ. You are co-heirs in Christ. You are equal to, but God says you are weaker. Here's one of the deals. Number one, you are physically weaker. I don't care what you say. It is a scientific fact that women are physically weaker. Look, I'm not, there's nothing we can argue about that. It's not a disrespect issue. We love you. I love my wife. My wife is strong. Matter of fact, we joked around and said that she was a beast, you know, talked about that. Kristen Hartman or Kristen Gamble talked about that. She used to, her and a couple of the girls in our youth ministry would call my wife a beast. But I want you to understand this. There is a physical limitation there that men are stronger than women. And it's not just physically though. Emotionally, let me clarify some things that go on. Usually emotionally, women are the ones who are the emotional wreck. I'm not trying to cut you down. Matter of fact, I've seen it firsthand. When both of my grandfathers died, you, know, know, you wanna know what I saw with my grandmas? They became emotionally unstable at times, where my grandfathers balanced them and spoke wisdom and life into them. All of a sudden, my grandfathers were gone and my grandmothers, and I love my grandmothers dearly, so this is not a cut on them. My grandmothers struggled to make emotional decisions because they no longer had that balance. And listen, I know it can happen in a husband's life too when he loses his wife, But I want you to understand the role that plays. Wives, follow your husbands. Why? Because that's the way God set it up. In the same way, be submissive to your husbands. And there's a reason behind that too. See, cruise control may go something like this. We've been married for five years. He knows I'm stubborn. He knows I'm hard-headed. So I'm just going to take the lead and he's just going to have to suck it up and take it. And we can kind of laugh about it, but that's sometimes what happens. And you step into a role you were never meant to take on in the first place. Because you weren't called to wear the pants. And don't take that wrong either. So follow your husbands. And listen, there is no excuse whatsoever, even if he's not a believer, to follow him. Because listen to what he says. Because that's going to get to me to number two. Number two, I follow my husband. Number two, preach wordless sermons. One of the biggest things that most men struggle with is listening to their wives, is it not, men? Yeah, nobody's listening to that either, so don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> all right? One of, the, one of the biggest things that men have a hard time doing is to listen to their wives, but listen to what he says, starting in verse one and going into verse two, all right? Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands so that... If any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without what? Words, but by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Listen, wives, I love, I love, love, love to talk about marriage and stuff, but here's the deal. Sometimes, even when you're right, it's better to keep your mouth shut than to rub your your husband's nose in it. It's kind of like a dog when the dog pees in the house and you take your, you know, they, they know they've done wrong. And you take him over there and you rub their nose right there. You're like, no, no, knock it off. Guess what? That's, that's what you're doing to your husband. Like when your words come out, it's like you're going to rub his nose. And you're like, ah, oh, look at that. Yeah, you're not going to do that. Preaching a wordless sermon is completely different. Because trust me, your husband knows when he's done wrong. All you got to do is turn cold shoulder. And he's like, what did I do wrong? I, I'm, I'm sorry. What did I do? And your husband's going to try and make up for it, I would think, at some point, hopefully, if he's not completely an ostrich and got his head stuck in the sand. But when I preach wordless sermons, listen, I use that opportunity to let my actions overcome the inaction or the lack of action on my husband. See, words can be used to sow seeds of doubt, seeds of discord, and seeds of dissension. And they can also be used to attack the individual. And sometimes the words that you may speak may attack your husband more than they will benefit your husband. So sometimes it's best to say nothing at all and let your actions speak louder than words because here's the deal. When we play out the Bible on every level, including marriage, it says that Jesus died on the cross while we were yet sinners. So knowing that we were going to sin against him, knowing we were going to reject him, knowing we were gonna walk away, knowing we weren't going to be obedient, Jesus still died. And you can literally be submissive to your husband, to love him by preaching words Or preaching without words by simply loving your husband faithfully, day in and day out. So preach sermons or wordless sermons. That is one of the best things you can do. And listen to what he says. As you're preaching those, it says that they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see what? What? The purity and reverence. In other words, the uncontaminated, uncompromised, untainted purity that you live day in and day out, committed to the word of God, committed to Jesus Christ on everything, that's purity. And then the reverence is that deep respect and regard for God in everything that you do. They may be won over by your actions because of your purity and your reverence. Sadly, in today's world, most of our actions tend to not line up necessarily with purity and reverence. They line up with selfishness. And so I want to just ask you that. Do you focus on preaching wordless sermons? Number three, cultivate true beauty. Now, listen, this is what you can bring to it because I know, I know every man wants their wife to look awesome, beautiful, pretty. There is no regret. I I have never heard a man go, you know what, my wife, she got all dressed up, but good night, that was the worst thing I'd ever seen in my life. I've never heard a woman or a man say that. What this is saying here is this don't be so focused on the outside that you neglect the inside. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you just a quick illustration. There was a girl in college prior to uh, me meeting Sarah, so you can't hate me for this, but this girl was very beautiful. She was pretty. I, I kind of had a crush on her. As a matter of fact, I played baseball with her brother. And I went over one night to her brother's house, and she answered the door without makeup on. And it was like, huh? Who are you? Because it scared the daylights out of me. And I'm not joking. <laughs> I don't make that sound bad. It was like, wow. Now, listen, bad on my part. Because I was only attracted to the outside, exterior. But listen to me, ladies. If you focus only on the outside and you focus and don't focus on the inside, you're no different than the Pharisee who on the outside look a certain way, but the inside, they are corrupt, they are vile, and they are full of nothing but sin and guilt. And listen to what he says. Don't be so focused. Why? Because your beauty should not come from outward adornments such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. In other words, don't get caught up in what you're wearing. But be worried about the inside. I think one of the greatest things to ever see is when, when you've met somebody who, who you really are like, man, that, that person's a really beautiful person. And then you get to know him and you're like, that person's a really nasty person. Because you begin to see the inside, not the outside. And I can speak to that about men and women because I knew guys that there were girls that would just swoon. They were, they were just like so in love with this guy. And I'm like, what do you see with that dude? Because he's a complete loser. I know that guy. I know what he's like inside. I know his heart. I know what he says about girls. I know what he says about other people. I know how he acts. And that's the problem. I know that person. And what you see is not what you're getting. So don't be caught up in the outward, but focus on the inward. And ladies, what I would say is this, does your true beauty come from the heart? Are you focused on developing your heart? Because trust me, I'm telling you at this point, after you've been married 10, 20, 30, 40 years, all of us know that physical looks go away. And that's on both sides. This is not, a, this is not a, a bash on females or males. It's not a bash on husbands and wives. We all know that the physical beauty is going to go away. Heck, man, I'm getting more and more gray hair. I'm not near as strong as I used to be. Those are things that will pass away. And so what we have to begin to do is say, what, what am I attracted to? Am I attracted to the heart? So cultivate true beauty. Because trust me, wives, your husband doesn't care if you wear anything. And if you don't get that, you're a little slow. So, (laughs) number four, women, seek advice from other godly women. I'm just going to touch on this. When marriage gets tough or when you just want to grow in your marriage, go to women who have been, number one, godly rocks in your life. Number two, have been married for a while and ask them for advice. That's a very simple thing. I think you can go there, dig deep down, ask him for advice and see what happens because that's what he says in verse five. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They focused on the inside and they were submissive to their husbands. So seek godly advice from other women, women who have been there longer than you. Get pointers, get advice, get help. Number five, don't let fear control you. I think fear usually leads to a conflict and escalation. One of the biggest problems I think in most marriages is that the wife may be fearful of something that's going on. And as a result, the fear begins to control the relationship and we only respond to everything in fear. And when you respond in fear, you're always set up for failure. Matter of fact, your husband is going to be set up for failure. Because he's always going to be fearful that he's not going to live up to the qualities, the characteristics, the standards, or the expectations you may have of him. But husbands, let me tell you this. Your qualities, your expectations, and everything should only come from God's word. You be obedient to what God has called you to do. That means, listen, you take care of yourself, but you take care of your wife. You love yourself and you love your wife. How you love yourself is how you should love your wife. And the reality is also this, that how you love your wife should be a direct reflection of Christ's love for the church. Sacrificial love always puts the needs of somebody else over my own. And so I learned to sacrificially love my wife. So we touched on the wives, but now let's, ju- let's jump into the husbands. And, and we'll hit the husbands here, literally, all right? Maybe with a two by four or something else. But listen to what he says, husbands. Number one, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat with them with respect. Here's what I want to say, and this is where we jumped in, in, in Hebrews chapter 13, where it talked about honoring your marriage. Husbands, number one, I think you have to honor your marriage in everything that goes on. One of my biggest pains, one of the biggest struggles I have is when I hear husbands talk about the ball and chain. Well, you know, the old ball and chain got me tied down, tell me what I can and can't do, blah, 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 blah. Do you realize that how you talk about your wife to your friends or coworkers is exactly what you feel? It's not like a hidden thing. If you're going to your coworkers and be like, yeah, you know, my wife, she's just annoying. She won't let me do anything. Or if you always use your wife as the person who takes the brunt from your friends, you begin to live that thing out. And so honoring my marriage is honoring my wife above my friends. Who cares what your friends think? Are you married to them? No. Matter of fact, I'd even say if my friends got a problem with my wife, they got a problem with me. Honor your marriage. When I honor my marriage, I I, I approach it from a respect issue. I respect my marriage. I respect my wife. Why? Because I am in a covenant relationship with her. You are the covenant initiator. That's how it should have been played out. The man is always the covenant initiator in the relationship. Guess what that means? You wanted it. You went after it, you got it, you're the one who owns it, you take responsibility for it. So I honor my marriage by honoring the covenant. Remember, a covenant is not a contract like what we look at things today. A covenant is a relationship that is never to be broken. Key word there. That's why, listen to me, it is always vitally important to know who you're marrying, why you're marrying him, and if that is the person that you are supposed to marry based upon what God set up in the first place. So listen, you husbands are to be submissive to your wives. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. That word is so misconstrued and so misunderstood because yes, wives were called to be submissive to their husbands as, as he's the head. But listen to me. We are called to be mutually submissive to one another out of reverence for Christ. So husbands, there's a time where you got to say, you know what? I need to submit to my wife's desires, my wife's requests, so that I honor and revere Christ in my relationship first and foremost. Why? Because she is primary over my friends, over, let's do me, over my mom, over my dad and everything else. So I honor my marriage by honoring my wife. How you submit to your wife is a message of the gospel to your wife. You ever thought about that? How I submit to my wife is a message of what I believe about the gospel to my wife. Do I love her sacrificially? Do I love her unconditionally? Do I show her that she is first and foremost? Am I willing to lay my life down on the line, my needs, my desires, my wants for her? Sacrificing for her just as Christ did for the church. So I need to put my needs above her. And listen, I know, emotionally men like to act tough. Well, I wear the pants in the family. I ain't gonna let her tell me what to do. You know what really that is? That's just a calloused, hard heart. That's a lack of submission and a lack of love. So honor your marriage. Number two, listen to what he says. Out of consideration. Listen, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. What does considerate mean? It's this idea to love with understanding, to have a careful thought about what's going on, to understand and be considerate of your wife's spiritual emotional, and physical needs? Do you consider those things in everything that goes on? What does your wife need spiritually from you? What does your wife need emotionally from you? What does she need physically from you? Listen, I know men are weak emotionally. And what I mean by that is this, we are weak emotionally. No sugars, I'm not gonna cover this up, trying to sweeten it up or nothing like that. We want to hide emotions. Well, I can't show too much love. Can't show too much grace. Can't show too much fear. Can't show too much emotion. I can't cry. I can't do things like that. Listen, you know what that just is a sign of? It's a sign of insecurity. You're afraid that if you truly showed emotion, somebody might actually see who you are. You hiding your emotions is insecurity. I have to learn to provide for, take care of, and look out for my wife's spiritual emotional and physical needs. And sometimes that means my emotions have to come out. That I have to show grace and love and forgiveness when I may just want to lash out with words of pain and anger. So love with understanding, with careful thought. I should take care of my wife just as I do myself. And listen, you may be the financial provider, but you're also a relational contributor You must put something into the marriage. Financial provider without a relational contributor means you're not active. You're on cruise control. You are moving through the marriage thing and you're not focusing on it. And then I want you to think about this. Consider it means to live with, not over. I love this quote. I say it at every marriage I've ever been. But Matthew Henry says this. The woman was made out of the rib of the side of Adam, not made out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, remember co-heirs, under his arm to be protected and near his heart to be beloved. Husbands, you have to look out for your spiritual, emotional, and physical needs of your wife. Why? Because that's what it means to be considerate. And number three, listen, I should live with respect. So live with your wives, consider it as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. Listen, and wives, don't get mad at your husbands when they go at this as the weaker partner, but listen, and as heirs with the gracious gift of life. So listen, wives, you are acknowledged as the weaker partner, but that does not mean that you are not a rock in your husband's life. He needs your support. He needs your encouragement. He needs your love. He needs you to not talk badly about him when you're with your friends. You going to other people, now listen, I know you need to have people to confide in, but you going especially, I'll even say this, especially to people who are unbelievers and getting marriage advice, that's the wrong place to go. That's like going to a vet to get medical advice. Well, you know, I got this problem. You're going to go see a vet? You got a medical problem? Done chopped your arm off? I think I'll go hit the vet. Vet can take care of that real quick. No, you're going to go to a real doctor. You don't go to a non-believer for wedding advice or marriage advice because they're going to lead you in the wrong direction. They don't understand the wisdom that God has set up in his Word for marriage. So you go to people who are Christians, who are believers, who can give you the right thing. Listen, respect is a big deal. Treat them with respect. A woman willingly or a a woman will lovingly submit to her husband when he treats her with respect. I have no doubt about that. Husbands, when you treat your wives with respect, with dignity, matter of fact, make her feel like a queen every day. Because when you make her feel like a queen every day, you're going to feel like a king. But when you make your your wife feel like a pauper, you're gonna feel like a pauper. How you talk about your wife, how you treat her is exactly how you're gonna feel. Love your wife as you love yourself. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. If you don't wanna go through cruise control, then these are things that I believe have to be evident. And I wanna wrap up with this for the men because listen to what happens. He said, treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs, because you are heirs together with you of the gracious gift of life. Listen, so that nothing will hinder your prayer life. When I don't treat my wife with respect, when I don't treat my wife in, in a way that's being considerate, then I have to understand that my prayers are not gonna be listened to. And that may sound harsh, but that's the reality. Because when you don't love your other person, the person you are married to, the person you've built that covenant relationship with, you don't treat them the way God lays it out, then you're setting yourself up for failure. And listen, he just says it. You're going to hinder your prayers. And so you may want to see a change in your marriage. You may want to see a change in the relationship of what's going on. But what I want to tell you is this. You have to work on yourself. And so here was the point today. It's not for husbands to go, well, you don't do this or you don't do that. And it's wives, it's not for you to go, well, you don't take care of me. And, and, and likewise, it's for you to go home and say, do I do this? Do I lift my husband up onto a pedestal and let him know that I love him, I respect him, I care for him, I will follow him wherever he feels like God is calling him to go? Or do I tear him down? And husbands, do I lift my wife up Do I brag on her? Do I love her? Do I show her the emotional, spiritual, and physical things that she needs from me? Look, I know men, obviously because I am one. And sometimes things don't make sense when I start talking about girls. And sometimes I think maybe Sarah should just come up here and tell men how to act. This is what you need to expect. If you want this, you got to do this for your wife. Those are things that, that she would be way better at than me. But what I can tell you at is this. How I treat her always reflects in our marriage. And you'll even see this at times. Matter of fact, you might see it at times if you come to our house and life groups. We're going to banter. We're going to go back and forth. There's going to be times we're going to butt heads. And you've probably seen it a time or two if you've come to our life group at any point in time. Because I'll make a snide comment, usually because I think I would have done something different. And that don't go so well, because Sarah doesn't back down. Sarah's so like, okay, well, that's fine. We'll have this out later. <laughs> and what you don't see is what goes on behind the doors later. Not really. Um, but but it, 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 it is. It's a relationship that I've had to learn, and I'm still learning. I don't always treat my wife with the utmost respect and consideration, but I have to focus on it. And I'm telling you, what you put into your marriage, don't walk through the motions, don't set your marriage on cruise control, but to fulfill it, to do your duty, to do your role, to fulfill what God has called you to do. Let's pray. God, I know that there are many thoughts, many ideas when it comes to marriage, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to successful marriages and relationships. And God, I know that there are people here who may have, failed in the past, people who have broken marriages, who have uh, gone through divorce. And God, we know that that is not an incurable, unforgivable thing. But God, I pray that we would begin to look to the future, that God, whatever took place in the past, we would not settle for second best. We would look to say, hey, this is where I can improve as a husband, or I can improve as a future wife, and I can be the person who's going to be the one that can raise them up to lead them, to to let them follow Jesus wholeheartedly, no matter the cost. God, I also know that there may be husbands and wives here today who are going through a tough time who are going through struggles, who maybe their marriage has been on cruise control. And God, I pray that just where they're at, that they can spend some time together praying. They can look deep down within their own hearts and they can say, these are the areas that I need to work on in my relationship so that I can invest in my wife or I can love and respect and follow my husband in that way. And so God, I pray for the marriages. I pray for those who aren't married and will be getting married, that they can look and say, these are the qualities and characteristics that I want to live out day in and day out in my marriage relationship with my future spouse. Father, we thank you for the beautiful picture that marriage represents, that Christ willingly, lovingly died on the cross for our sins and he offers us a way to have a life and life more abundantly in him and through him by putting our faith and trust in that.